Good morning, y'all. And it's a privilege to be here. We have been looking forward. We tried to schedule it earlier. That's the truth. It, it just wasn't going to happen. And then, but we're glad to be here. And uh, I, I want to tell on Brother Glenn just a little. Okay, he came to Paducah, and we had a Bible conference. There were two messages on the first night, six the next day, and two on the following morning. That get I get that right? And then I preached on that Wednesday night in another church. So I had eleven services in two days' time, and I. I tell you, it's the most preaching I have ever been through in my life. One sermon after another for, I mean, solid, but it was great. And Brother Glenn stopped by and said, why don't you come to come to Alabama and preach at my church? I, 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 he already knew I was looking forward to preaching anywhere. And uh, yeah, I'll do that. And uh, we had a, we had a good time. And uh, I, I, I'm going to tell this, Glenn, so you just, I wouldn't be here if I didn't like him. I, I'm, I, 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 that sounds strange, doesn't it? Sometimes you just do, and hey, I, I'll do it. <laughs> so, uh, if you would open your Bibles, I've been I've been passionate for forty years. I I, I love books, and I, I I went through those books and I offered to buy them all, and but. They, I've got about 5,000 in my library, and many of the writers you've got out there, I have. And some of the things I don't have. And so uh, I found a pamphlet out there by J.B. Carroll. Uh, you know, his brother, B.H. Carroll, started uh, Midwestern Theological Seminary. He's a landmarker out in Texas. And he, and he was wounded badly in the Civil War, and he never really got over it. Uh, but uh, he uh, he founded that seminary, and B. H. Carroll's books are are uh, are, are prized, and I I'd like to have some of the originals. They're hard to find, and J. M. Carroll stuff is is more scarce, really. But uh, I went into a bookstore in one of the oddest places. Uh, it was in the Ozark town of Ozark, over near uh, Branson, Missouri. Over there, I walked in there and was playing around in the books, and you know my eyes are big as, as saucers. And one of the things he had on his wall was one of uh, J. M. Carroll's original uh, uh, blood, uh, trail of blood posters, and he would not sell it to me, and I was grieved. But anyhow, uh, if you take your Bibles, I'm going to give you some scriptures. I'll read some of them, and I'll let you look at some of them. Okay, now I want you to turn to John chapter 14. And don't leave that one because we'll be back to it, okay? And then John chapter 8 and John chapter 13, those will be easy. Uh, but John 14, John 13, and John 8, we'll use them in order, 8, 13, and 14. And then also, if you would, mark Matthew 16 and put a marker in there. Now, I'm going to read some other scriptures along, but uh, these are in particular uh, uh a particular note. John chapter 14, John chapter 13, and John chapter 8. And in a supplemental text is Matthew, uh, yeah, Matthew 16. Now, if you look at John chapter 14 to begin, it said, I'm going to try to preach without my glasses, folks. I've got light. It's wonderful. Okay, look at verse... 1 and 2. 
of John chapter 14. It says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house, and our brother in the message this morning in Sunday school emphasized the word are because he understood it was very important, okay? And I understood what you were saying. And if you look at that verse there, in my Father's house are right now. Okay? It's already there. Many beautiful places, mansions. Uh, it has a kind of a connotation that there are separate dwelling places in heaven. There's not. It's my in my Father's house are many beautiful places. Okay? And I w- if it were not so, it is so because God said so. You already know God can't lie, okay? I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. The problem with that is many people go on what they've been taught, not what they have learned. And as a result, it gives a slant to that verse that simply isn't there in the scriptures. Now, I, I've got, I've said a whole lot, so I've got to defend that, don't I? Yeah, yeah. Uh, where did Jesus go to prepare a place for you? That's a question. There are no construction programs in heaven. Why do I believe that? Because Hebrews 10, 12 says Jesus is seated on the right hand of the Father and makes and ever lives to make intercession. Folks, he's not a construction foreman directing a construction project in heaven. Years ago, the Okay, this is us. All right. The Protestants bragged about works-based salvation. They thought that was smart to tell people they had to work out their salvation and God had to do his part and you had to do yours. In fact, the church Christ still preaches. And I got a sale after I preached on the radio. But, you know, I was quoting uh, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not yourself, though, that grace and faith are inseparable in the Greek. I mean, that makes no difference. It does make a difference. They're inseparable. You can't have grace without faith. Well, he said, after I preached, I said, now, grace is God's part and faith is man's part. Uh, he said that. Uh, I said, no, I, I I spoke before he did. I said, faith is God's part too because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so both grace and faith are God's properties. And so uh, the same grace that changed your heart when you touched Jesus, your Lord and Savior, changed your mind. Have you ever met anybody who was saved against their will? Anybody? No. No, you're not saved against your will. The same grace, it converted your soul. It changed your mind. Let this mind be in you. That's Christ Jesus. That is in Christ Jesus. And so there was no construction progress because Jesus was seated. And that means I'm done. And you've got Bible for that. He said upon Calvary's tree, it is finished. It's done. So now look with me at Matthew chapter 16 for just a second. This one makes the Catholics mad, y'all. Matthew chapter 16. Look at verses 21 through 23. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples 
how he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed. And he raised and be raised again on the third day. Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. And here was God's response to him. But he returned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that are of God, but those that are of men. God sent Jesus as a righteous sacrifice for our sins. On Calvary, God was pleased to take his righteousness and give it to a sinner saved by grace and let Jesus, his own son, die for the sins of the whole world. Why in the world would he do that? Because in the end game, God is going to give it all to Jesus and all glory will be magnified in him. Folks, we haven't seen anything yet. Eye hath not seen and ear hath not heard. We don't have a clue what's awaiting us when we see God. It's wonderful beyond our imagination. We cannot uh, measure the things and the trauma of this present life with what's coming because Jesus is better than it all. Well, if that's the case, and it is, that Jesus was explaining to the disciples at the beginning of his ministry that the end of his ministry would lead to Jerusalem and Calvary. It's not a mystery. He'd been telling his disciples that all along. And so they shouldn't have been shocked when Jesus went to Calvary, but I'm saying to you they were. (laughs) They should have known better. They did know better. But I'll tell you, knowing one thing and understanding is another. And so uh, when we look into the pulpits of America today, folks, I'm not trying to be smart or hateful, but many preachers are preaching what they've heard, not what they've learned. And that's a that's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. Uh, Helen and I were in a church over in Tennessee, what, and maybe a couple of years, a few years ago now. And that preacher had been online copying somebody else's sermons. He was preaching somebody else's material, and he didn't even know what he had in front of him. I mean, it. That's not okay. Uh, there. There are no construction programs in heaven, and Jesus finished it all at Calvary. And not only that, he's seated in a finished work. And when he said from Calvary's tree it was finished, folks, it was. Now, let's look at some things. Look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8. I think you'll like this. This This is more Baptist than... But by the way, I'm a Baptist, y'all. <laughs> uh, all right, look, look at look at chapter eight. Look at verses thirteen and fourteen. First of all, now I'm going to read verse twelve. We got time. Then spoke Jesus again unto them, saying, "I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life." The Pharisees therefore said unto him, "Thou hearest." Uh, Thou bearest witness of thyself. Thy witness is not true. In verse 14, Jesus responded to them. Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear witness of myself, I certainly do, 
if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, said in another place. You see my witness is true, for I know from where I came, from heaven, and where I go, folks, his next stop is not heaven. Where is he going? Everybody in here knows. All right. And where I go, but you cannot tell from where I come and where I go. His next stop is not heaven. He told them on day one, over at Matthew 16, that he's going to Calvary. Now look on down with me at verses 21 and 22. Then said Jesus again unto them, he's talking to lost people now. Here's what he's, he's telling lost people. I go my way and you shall seek me and shall die in your sins. Where I go, you cannot come. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? Folks, we've lost something in the English here. That where I go, you cannot come speaks of death, not heaven, death. And they understood it. The lost people understood that. That's what he said. Then said the Jews, will he kill himself? He's talking of death. There's a connotation there in these texts that we just flat miss because we don't cover the whole subject. Where I go, you cannot come. Now, where's he talking about going? You already know. I've done tip my hand. But look at verse 28. Still the same context. Still the same conversation. Then said Jesus unto them, When you have lifted up the Son of Man, and shall you... And then shall you know that I am, and actually it stops right there. Okay, I am is good enough, really. I, I am. You remember when uh, Moses was told to go in to see Pharaoh? He, Lord, you want me to go and face down Pharaoh? He's, what authority do I have to do that? I need authority to do that. And God told him, hey, you tell him I am. Okay, when they came to arrest Jesus in the garden, they said, uh, whom, whom you seek? And we seek Jesus. And Jesus spoke. If you go over there and look at it, it says, I am. That's what he said. And when he did, those people that were trying to arrest him were on the ground. Literally, they were down. They had to be assisted up to make the arrest. God was in charge of that. 100% in charge. And so, I am... When you've got I am, you've got all, all the authority you need. Jesus is he. <laughs> and so we see here, then said Jesus unto them, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you shall know I am, and that I do nothing of, of, of myself, but as my Father hath taught me, I speak these things. I am gives me all the authority I need. That's what Jesus said. Because he is. He's, he's got all the authority he needed. He, I, I, I am. Folks, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, same person. They have three roles to play, and they don't conflict in any way. But, folks, we have but one God, but he has three personalities. And so uh, it's, not a, it's not a mystery here. Where I go, you cannot come. And you've already seen that the context of the response from the Pharisees and the Jews was, will he kill himself? 
He's talking about death. And then he gets on down to the verse we just read, and he's talking about going to Calvary. Folks, Jesus did not go to heaven to prepare a place for you. He went to Calvary to prepare a place for you. And it's either paid there or it's not paid. It's He either paid it all or it's not paid at all. He did it all at Calvary. All you need is Jesus. This works-based salvation that the world presents, the Catholics, the Protestants, the cults, on and on and on, even the Hindus and the Buddhists and the and the anarchists and the any kind of the cult you want to come up with, they all preach the same thing. It's by my hand I'll lift myself. Folks, you surely won't. you will not lift yourself. Heaven is not a place based on good behavior. People don't go to heaven based on good behavior. That's not what heaven is. Heaven is a place prepared for people who have trusted Jesus who paid it all for them. And folks, our salvation was purchased on Calvary's tree. He paid it all. We sing the song, and that's exactly what it means. The Pharisees challenge his legitimacy. The world does. The world complains right now. God has no right to judge us. I'm telling you, God has every right to judge us to the nth degree as he chooses because he's the one who paid it all. The Jews considered his language. Is he going to kill himself? No, but he's going to be in charge of what happens. The mob crucified the Lord. And it pleased God, not a ghoulish glee that Jesus died on Calvary. It broke God's heart. But the problem was it was necessary for man's sin. There had to be a payment. Man cannot pay the debt for sin. It can't begin. You can be baptized until the Lord comes back. You can swim oceans and he won't save you. The Lord's Supper is a wonderful thing. And yes, it ought to be closed because the church has the authority over it. God gave the church authority over baptism and the Lord's table. And he gave them a charge. Don't look now. The Great Commission belongs to the church, not to the world. It's not a Catholic commission. It's a, it's a church commission. And so when you get to that, you understand that crucified Lord is the one who paid the price for man's sin and Jesus reasoned with the Jews in the temple. You know, when the Bible says that let us reason together, it's not God who's being unreasonable. When he, You know, he's being gracious. God's a gracious person. But he said, let us reason together. It means you're not thinking clearly because God got it worked out, folks. We're the ones who have to learn. And so Jesus reasoned with the Jews in the temple and he explained to them that before anything could happen, you had to have the Calvary between you and God. You got to have Calvary. You can't go from here to heaven without Calvary. And these people who are preaching that somehow you can be right with God through your works and through uh, some manifestation of an experience that somebody had somewhere back in your uh, antiquity or some maybe your ancestors are going to get you through. Your great church name, it's not to the name on the door. It's not. It's 
Jesus is the name above every name. And so not only did he reason with the Jews in the temple, he reminded his apostles at the table. You know what I mean? God would be consistent. He'd tell lost people to say people the same thing. Well, let's look. Look at John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Now, you inductive study people, I, I want to tell you, I, all right, where I go, you cannot come. We've got that one, okay? Now we're going to do it again. Where I go, you cannot come. Okay, you want to mark both of those. Now we're at verse 33. Little children, this is verse 13, chapter 13, verse 33. You Yet a little while I am with you, Jesus said. You shall seek me, and as I said unto the Jews. Remember, we just read that. We know exactly where he said this. We just were there in chapter 8. Where I go, you cannot come. There it is again. He's telling the He's telling his disciples, people that are already saved, exactly the same thing. Where I go, you can't come. Now, look at verse 34. As a, a new commandment I give unto you, that ye love one another, as I have loved you, that ye also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if ye love one another. Brother Glenn and I talked the other night. And, you know, I like it. I just, I do. And uh, the, the point here is, if you take a person out of a New Testament church, you take them outside God's will. There is no ecclesiolo- ecclesiology, ecclesiology, uh, no ecclesiastical authority better. There is no ecclesiastical authority apart from a New Testament church. The, the true New Testament church has always been local. These Catholics that came on 300-something years later claimed to be the true church. How's that possible when there was no Catholic church for over 300 years? But on this rock, I'll build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Folks, God is going to have New Testament churches that are serving him when he comes back. They've always been here. They're always going to be here, and nobody can do anything about it because God's in charge. And so he reminds these disciples about where I'm going, you can't go. Now look at verse oh, 36. Simon Peter, he's always going to be brash. He said unto him, Lord, where goest thou? Now you've already read it this morning where Jesus explained to the disciples, including Peter, that he was going to Calvary. He's already told him. And Peter was rebuked for standing in the way. He said, where I go, thou canst not follow me now, but thou wilt follow me afterwards. He wasn't talking about going to heaven. He's going to Calvary. Now, verse 37, Peter said unto him, Lord, why cannot I follow thee now? I will lay down my life. He's talking about death. He's not talking about going to heaven. Don't make fun of Peter because he was ready to go to the death. When they arrested Jesus, Peter cut off the servant's ear. He pulled a knife. Now, the Bible says there were two knives in the garden. You know that? I'm not going to preach that this morning. There are two knives. I know who had them. Peter had one of them. 
He cut the servant's ear off. And God told him, whoa, wait a minute, Peter. That, <laughs> he put the ear back on. We got to undo the mess you made right here. He was bright. Peter was ready to die for the Lord right then. Okay. You want to know who, other, who had the other knife? i tell you who had the other knife. It was Simon the Zealot who was outside the gate. He wouldn't have been caught dead without his knife. There were two concealed carries in the garden when Jesus was arrested. Peter had one of them and Simon had the other one. There were, and the Bible says there were two. But uh, anyhow, I thought it was an interesting sight. But here is Peter. He's arguing with the Lord. I'm ready to, to lay him out of my life. And look at verse 38. Jesus answered him, Wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Indeed. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Jesus was explaining to him, Peter, on this occasion, it's going to be harder to live for me than it is to die for me. Peter had to learn the hard way. It was more difficult to live for Jesus than it was to die for him. He's willing to die. He'd already proved it. He's ready to go. I'm ready to go right now. And he told, do you believe Peter was telling the Lord the truth when he told him, Lord, I'll die for you. He'd already proved it. He's not, he's not making up. He's not about bragging. He's he ready to die for the Lord. But he, Lord, listen, I'm not asking you to die for me right now. I'm asking you to live for me. That's what he asked him. I want you to live for me. Well, no wonder Peter was down on himself when he saw Jesus arrested. He was frightened. He had already passed the point. I'm ready to die for him, but boy, this want, he wanted me to live for him. And yeah, folks, we're living in a day when it might it's becoming more difficult to live for Jesus than it is to die for him. They were unable to go where Jesus was going because he was the lamb without spot and without blemish. He Peter was unsuitable to go where Jesus was going. Nobody could pay the price for sin, not even an apostle. He was unprepared to go where Jesus was going because not only was he ready to die in the garden, Peter hadn't been developed to the point he's ready to live for him yet. Oh, he was. I mean, it, Peter came back in a big way because God, shall he not complete the work which he has begun in us? Of course he will. He found it was more difficult to live for Jesus than to die for him. But, folks, Peter was willing to do both before it was done. Whatever you say, Lord. And so he reminded the apostles at the table that where I go, you cannot come. The lost people knew he was talking about death. The saved people knew he was talking about death. Folks, when the, they get up in their pulpits and start telling us that Jesus, I was in a, Nursing home with, uh, no, it wasn't nursing home, was it? it was the um, senior, senior center over in Campbell, Missouri. And they had a self-proclaimed uh, uh, missionary there. He called himself a Baptist. He didn't know what that meant. But he uh, had concluded uh, that uh, he, he had the answer in a poem. And he kept quoting this ridiculous poem. How grand a place must heaven be if it took 2,000 years for Christ to make a place for me. And I asked him, don't you hear the arrogance in that? 
He's not in heaven preparing a place for you. He went to Calvary to prepare a place for you. Heaven's not a reward for good behavior. It, Jesus paid it all. Don't don't even go there like that. You're special in some way for God. God is the one who's special. He died for the ungodly. Christ in you is the hope of glory. There's your reward, Jesus. Folks, he didn't go to heaven to prepare a place for you. There are no construction programs in heaven. He did everything was necessary for you in Calvary. Well, if I can't convince you, we'll go once more. Look at John 14. You're already there. We've seen that he reasoned with the Jews in the temple. He reminded the disciples at the table. Now he's reassuring the apostles not to be troubled at what's coming. Oh, it's a troubling time when Jesus goes to Calvary. It's a troubling time for God. And it's a wonderful time for man because it's the only hope he'll ever have with God. Look at verses 1 through 6. Let not your heart be troubled. Here is Jesus reassuring about a destiny beyond lostness. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are right now many beautiful places. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. Folks, not only did he come out of the grave, he ascended into heaven, and next time he comes to get us. He's coming to get us. I'll go to prepare a place for you. He did that on Calvary's tree. There are no construction programs in heaven now. Heaven has been complete from eternity past. All right, look at Matthew 16. Matthew 16. Was that what? No, no. Matthew 25, verse 34. I'm going to give you one more verse. Matthew 25, verse 34. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, the Lord to the saved, if you will. Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Yeah. Folks, heaven is where Jesus is. Jesus is where heaven is. Wherever Jesus is, is great. Yeah. It's wonderful. He did not go to heaven to prepare a place for you. Heaven has been prepared from eternity past. It ju you just read the verse. It's complete. There are no construction programs in heaven. Wherever God is, it's fine. And when you're with him, you've got all you need. Heaven is complete from eternity past. Your hearts are to be consoled. Be not troubled. I've done it all. There's nothing left. Don't worry about working yourself to glory. Baptism's not going to save you. The Lord's Supper is good, but it's not a sacrament. The church is wonderful, but it's local. And I've taken care of the commission. I've taken care of the ordinances. I've taken care of the organization. I did it all during my earthly ministry. I left nothing to chance. Why would in the world would you want to have something to do with your eternal destiny when I paid it all? Why would anybody want to try to manage their eternal destiny with Jesus Paying it all. 
Folks, I don't want to be in my charge of my eternal destiny. Everything I ever touched, I messed up in some way. Everything I've ever done has got a blemish. There's nothing perfect out there except Jesus, and he paid it all. Heaven is found where Jesus is. Thomas hesitated. He told, he told Jesus, Lord, uh, uh, wait a minute. I've got a, I've got a problem here. Over in Matthew 16, 21. I like these verses. I, uh, from that time, he said, I've got to be killed and raised on the third day. And Peter wanted to argue with him. Thomas hesitated too. When did you tell us? Well, I've been telling you all along. All must heed God's way. Thomas had to go the hard way. You tell me one person who hasn't. Folks, everybody's gone the hard way. Everybody's gone the hard way. Because we were lost and on the road to a devil's hell with no hope. No hope whatsoever. And Jesus went to Calvary and paid it all. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He paid it all. He's not waiting for you to do anything. Any service any of us ever provide God will be for one motive alone if God accepts it. And that's because we love him for what he's did, for what he's done. You can't work off a debt. You cannot pay. You can't have enough goodwill to endear yourself to God. You can't be religious enough and well-meaning enough and good to your neighbors to the point that God will have to accept you. Folks, God accepts one one thing. The blood of Christ cleanses us from all sin. That's what pleases God. Jesus Christ, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And if you miss Jesus, you miss it all. You're going to make a lot of people aggravated at you if you tell them what you heard this morning, that heaven was not prepared in a way to accommodate you. Heaven was prepared, prepared in a way to accommodate Jesus. He paid it all. He didn't go to Calvary to waste his time. Folks, if he went to Calvary and only half got the job done, no wonder Paul said we're of men most miserable. He didn't get the job half done at Calvary, folks. Calvary did it all. And when Jesus went to heaven, he sat down. He's done. Everything that you need for your eternal destiny, done at Calvary. What will you do with Jesus? That's the question. I'm out of time. I got another sermon. I'm going to preach at 1 o'clock, 1.30. Uh, the Lord saved me when I was the third Sunday of November 1969. I had a Pentecostal fellow in my garage some years back. I sold him an extra dryer and a washer. And he wanted to wire it. And so I, 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 I sold it to him. And he said, I'm a preacher. I said, you are. That's good, I guess. Uh, I said, well, uh, I, I was saved uh, after I got out of the army and got back to Paducah. Uh, the godly preacher that was close to the Lord led me to the Lord. And he wound up leading my sister-in-law to the Lord, and I used him in revival, and he led my daughter to the Lord. So I owe Carol Kathy a lot. But anyhow, uh, I, I told him, I said, uh, 
I don't have any explanation for why God saved me. You talk about a character unlikely to be saved. Well, you find a character that is likely to be saved. There's not one. How in the world he would save a lost sinner or why he'd do it? The only explanation we have is because Jesus paid it all. That's why. God's, he, he didn't leave anything chance. Folks, there's nothing left out. You can trust Jesus. I mean, you trust him because he's the one who's paid it all. He hasn't left anything for us to do. And anything that we do, the greatest privilege any of us will ever get is an opportunity to serve the living God. That's the greatest privilege you'll ever get. Folks, the only motive for serving God, one will be accepted, is because you love him for what he did at Calvary. I've been told the more work you do, the better your home in heaven will be. There are rewards, but heaven is not a reward for good behavior. It simply isn't. That's different than what everybody else preaches. But I tell you what, it's what Baptists have always preached. Uh, that's the fact.